Hello and welcome back to the Duncan One podcast. Now, I know you are thinking if you are listening to this. One, how many times has this podcast returned? And second of all, after we rebranded, I done two episodes of the Duncan One and now this miraculously another return. So, my apologies. I feel like this is now the time that I'm going to be here consistently recording these podcasts so bear with me <laughs> and my apologies for the past so yeah we're back with the Duncan one podcast um today was actually the when launch relaunching this podcast and my other uh Tottenham Osborne one um the Spurs situation both of them are being relaunched today Monday October 18th and I'm planning on working on maybe a a one episode per week basis if specials and extras and bonus podcasts are needed here and there so be it but i'm planning on every thursday um releasing an episode of the duncan one that obviously could change depending on different uh scheduling in the nba and what games are happening what stories are going on um but i'm going to aim for a thursday um consistently if like I said, if any extras are needed, then so be it. But if every tourist day I can get an episode out to you guys, that'll be perfect for me. Um, I suppose just going, I'm going over the ground rules here. I suppose just to to know what you are getting yourselves in for. Um, so every tourist day, there's gonna be an episode. Um, for those of you who listen to my Tottenham Hotspur podcast as well, you'll know that I do some episodes by myself. I have guests on for some of them. For this podcast, I anticipate that it will be solo for 99% of the episodes like it has been to this point. Um, there's just there's not an awful lot of people I know um, here in Ireland that actually follow the NBA, uh, like basketball. Now, of course, like there's, there's NBA Twitter and there's a few people on like Reddit and Twitter and stuff that I would interact with. Um, but for the most part, this is me. These are just my thoughts. I'm putting them out there for the world to listen to, whether it's one people, ten people, or a hundred people. It's uh one people, I said. But yeah, this is just my way of kind of um talking through my thoughts and going over what my opinions and stuff are on the NBA. But yeah, that's that's kind of where we are. That's what this podcast is gonna look like for the foreseeable. Um I do have Different ideas that I want to trial. Um, I said it on, my, on the Spurs situation when I relaunched it today that I plan on having a special episode once every two weeks. Um, and that'll be different from the format of like kind of these like recap um, episodes um, where like I'm going to start talking and talk about the games in the past week and the different storylines and give my opinions on them. These would have been the day different ideas that I wrote up when I was planning the sports blog and then some other some other ideas that i was planning when i was creating a youtube channel um so basically i've done like different write-ups and articles and stuff and like video essay scripts i suppose that i wanted to put in video form um and talk over on youtube and stuff but it just never really materialized and i don't really know if that's going to materialize in the future so I had different ideas uh, in football and the sports world, but I also had a lot, an awful lot of ideas in the basketball world. So it is quite possible that I do start kind of something similar to uh, like a special episode once every two weeks where it's going to be away from a regular format and it's me just kind of going through like whether it's a storyline that happened in the NBA. So like whether I'm talking about like the biggest what ifs in NBA history or the underrated championships from the past underrated mvps whatever it may be um they will be special episodes just it really depends on kind of my own timing and stuff on whether that comes up that gets off the ground or how often um things like that is done but again it is another idea that i have for the future so fingers crossed i can achieve something like that if the podcast grows um so yeah, that's that's this podcast. That's the Duncan one. Hopefully you can listen to this a bit more consistently than I have recorded in the past, but let's get into it. So in terms of 
where we are right now at the time of recording today is monday the 18th of october and i'm not going to try and tell you that it's exactly tomorrow and um, when the nba starts because i'm obviously time difference and stuff like that but i know well, i guess it would be tomorrow I, I believe it's the 19th because i know it's tuesday evening for the us it's like wednesday morning for us i suppose so yeah it, it is fair in saying that tomorrow evening is when the nba gets back on the way um of course there's always something going on in the nba world so up to this, this point there's been training camps pre-season of course in the off season we had free agency and the draft and all that stuff um look there's there's always something to talk about there's always a storyline or rumor or just there's just drama it's, it's a drama filled league and honestly we all love it don't we um so I suppose, like, to give, like, a quick recap of where we are now, um, I suppose starting off um, from the, the tip of the off-season, um, of course, the season finished up last year with the Milwaukee Bucks beating the Phoenix Suns in the finals. Um, Giannis getting his first ring, Drew, Drew Holiday finally getting his ring. Um, of course, a disappointing end to the season for Chris Paul, Devin Booker and co, but... Um, I have to say it was a it was a great season, a great off season, um, and capped off with a great finals. Um, I think I won't be the only one saying that Giannis's performances in the finals was probably one of the all time greatest performances in in finals history. Um, he really made his presence felt. Um, obviously we know his capability, we know how good of a player he is and how dominating he can be on the court, but. He really silenced a lot of doubters um, in the finals last season. And I think he'll be carrying that into this season, but we'll we'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, so once the, once the season finished up and the off-season, I suppose, officially started, it wasn't very long until we kind of had our first um, our first news coming, coming about, and that was with the draft. Um, of course, it was a star, I suppose, a potential star to the draft. Um this is the Cade Cunningham draft, the Jalen Green draft, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. You know, there's an awful lot of big talent there um, in the lottery. But I mean, like, though, I, I feel like it wasn't just me and it wasn't just kind of like a, the scout and stuff that was excited about this draft. I feel like kind of everyone had their own different player that they were backing, different player that they wanted to see get picked at their own team. Like, And, and this is not even talking about lottery picks. Like, I mean... You go all the way down this draft, and there's just there seems to be star potential everywhere you look. Like I mean, some of the major pickups um in the draft really kind of came outside of the lottery. And I know that there's always sleeper picks. There's always going to be someone that gets like twenty seven players picked ahead of them. Does like I mean, you talk about last season, like Jokic, he's an MVP and he was picked in the second round. Um. Giannis was the 15th pick outside the lottery. Uh, there's Draymond Green. Like, there's... And, I mean, that's that's exclusively just talking about, like, kind of the, the first names that came to my head now, whereas, like, of course, there's there's been plenty of players in the past. Um, but, I mean, you go outside the lottery um, and you look at, like, let's say the later picks, like, you have Shengun going to the Rockets, who is genuinely going to be such a big talent. Um, and I think he's actually going to get a big opportunity in Houston this season. There's Trey Murphy, uh, Kai Jones, Keon and Jalen Johnson. Yeah, Bones Highland going to Denver, which was another another late underrated pickup by the Denver Nuggets. Their draft history in the last few years has been nothing short of exceptional. Um, you go into the second round and you're looking at players that genuinely have potential, like, Brandon Boston Jr., um, who has actually looked brilliant in preseason. A lot of these players have looked brilliant in preseason. Uh, Luca Garza, who was amazing in college, had a lot of a lot of great games there. Um, Jared Butler, JT Tormoyles, McBride, Jeremiah Robinson, Aaron. Like, there's really is a lot of a lot of upside. I feel in um players outside of the second round. Now, it could be a bit of recency bias, I suppose, the fact that we're all, we're seeing these in Summer League, we're seeing these in preseason, and they're kind of very top of mind, but I don't know, I, I don't remember a draft class, at least in the last, last three, four, five years, where 
you're looking basically the whole way down and saying, yeah, this guy could have a, a good career. This guy could be an all-star. This guy could be X, Y, Z. Like, there's a, really a lot of top-end players here, and a lot of them could have really good careers. Um, Obviously, there's going to be still some in there. And actually, that's even without mentioning Cam Thomas. I'm, I'm only remembering Cam Thomas now. Um, Like, there is a lot of players here, and if anything, there's actually some players in the lottery that I'm more worried about than the ones outside. And I know that obviously a lot of that comes down to like if you're in the lottery a lot more is expected of you, you're earning a higher higher salary in them first few years, um stuff like that. But like you you look at players, let's say like um John Dinkaminga, like where is he gonna find himself in Golden State at the moment and wins like is he gonna get the touches, is he gonna get the minutes? Um how long is he going to be held there kind of in a secondary role before he can actually be put into a starting lineup somewhere, whether that's in Golden State or elsewhere. It really just depends on if they pull the trigger on a potential trade to keep Steph and Clay in win-now mode. Because I don't really know whether players like John Kaminga and Moses Moody really fit their timeline. Um, I worry about players like Chris, Chris Duarte, who went to Indiana, um again I think he is a good player. I think he's the oldest he is the oldest rookie in this class. Um he definitely has potential and I think if anything he's one of these like like what we've seen in recent years like like Cam Johnson. Like Cam Johnson came into the league and straight away was he's polished, he's ready for it now. It takes a few games to get him going, but because of them older rookies the typically are a bit more experienced and kind of ready to play now. Um, but I mean, like, I'm, I'm just looking at some other names here that I've just even missed out on. Like, Josh Primo, really highly regarded rookie, who went 12th. Uh, Corey Kispert, who, go, who obviously played in Gonzaga with Jalen Suggs, another great player. Um, yeah, there's, there kind of is just, there's a lot of upside in this in this draft. Um so of course, like the draft, um, that was obviously a big highlight of the summer, as it is every every off season. Um, and there's a lot of noise around, obviously, the top players. Uh, the most notably being like Jalen Suggs falling to fifth, um, rather, and then Scotty Barnes being picked up at fourth by the Raptors. Questionable, um, or I suppose it really depends on. How highly you rank them players against each other? I personally believe Jalen Suggs could be the best player in this draft class ten years from now. Um, he really does have that upside. Not to say Scotty Barnes isn't doesn't have that. The two different, I suppose, they're two different roles. It's it, it really kind of depends on what you're looking for in a player, and especially that that early on in the draft then as well. Um, I don't know that. I I think that has the potential. To be in a few years' time, Raptors fans can look back and say, why did we pass on Suggs? I think an awful lot. I even think, to a certain extent, as much as I think Evan Mobley is a great player now and has high upside, I still think that's even possibly another pick that the Cavs could look at in a few years' time and say, should have went with Suggs. I know they have an awful lot of players at the guard position like that they're trying to develop, obviously, with um, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro technically is a three, but he can he can play the two at times as well. But they also have an overload of players at the big man position. They have obviously Jared Allen who'd have to sign into a big deal. They have Larry Larry Markinen, who'd have to trade him for and giving him a big extension. They still have Kevin Love for another two or three years. So I mean, if the question was that they're going to have an overload of players. At the guard position, well, like, the kind same logic applies to Evan Mobley at the, at the big man position. But that's neither here nor there. I think these players are going to have good careers. I still think they're going to they have very high upside. Um, and that that's without talking about the top two. But I mean, I think the top two we already know are probably surefire stars now and in the future. Um, I think Jalen Green and Cade Cunningham are two amazing players. Um. Who are going to have a lot of contributions to, for their teams this season, as well as taking major leaps in both production and in stardom 
in seasons two, three, and four, so on and so forth. Um, so that was the draft. Um, other than what I've covered there, that's that's kind of the, the highlights. And I, like I said, I'm gonna try keep this recap quickly because I obviously know that if you're listening to this, you know all this, anyways. Um, a lot of moves in the free agency. Um, actually, now that I'm actually going, I'm going to talk about free agency and I'm talking about the recap. But like I said, you're not here for the recap. Everyone knows the recap. Um, yeah, I, I, I actually think we'll skip right on. We'll look at opening night. And um, what I'm going to do on today's episode is go through my predictions for award winners and the top ten teams in each conference. So the start of the NBA season is upon us finally officially it's here well i was gonna say 24 hours time a little maybe about 36 hours time we're here um look open a night every every season always has to be start off with a bang and this season is no difference obviously you're kicking off with ring ceremony and a repeat of the second round in the eastern conference last year you have bucks and nets kicking us off um <clears throat> excuse me um you kind of have some pretty big games you have lakers and warriors obviously being the second part of that opening night but even for like opening week i mean you're looking at a lot of big games here like you're looking at pistons and bulls obviously a reformulated bulls team with lonzo ball demar de rosen obviously first full season and nikola vucevic and then you have the pistons a lot of players coming into a big second and third year you have Cade Cunningham, obviously, ready to get going. Pels and 76ers, what's, like, you have, obviously, questions around Ben Simmons. You have Timberwolves and Rockets, which, obviously, big second year for Anthony Edwards. You're going to have Jalen Green's debut. Like, there's opening, opening night, opening week is always just such an exciting time. I feel like you're tuned into nearly every game. Just making sure you get a look at everybody. Um... I know what I'll be tuning into on that night as well with the Timber Timberwolves and Rockets is uh, Spurs and Magic. Um, obviously a lot of talk about the Magic this off season. Just they're just such a a nice young core. Um, I'll be really excited to see them this season. Um, and hopefully when Markel Fultz comes back into the fold, then as well they'll be a really exciting team to watch and keep an eye on as the season goes on. But I suppose to keep a focus on these opening two games, uh, Bucks and Nets, obviously. So this is a repeat of the second round last year in the Eastern Conference. Um, I expect nothing but big things here. Uh, obviously, you have all the the storyline, the news, the noise around uh, Kyrie Irving not getting vaccinated, and of course, there's questions about what his future is now at the Brooklyn Nets. They came out last week and announced that he won't be a part-time player for them. Um, So he's out of indefinitely now until he gets vaccinated or if a mandate is dropped in New York and across, I think the other, I think the other state, I'm obviously not in America. I believe the other state is California. Um, Or maybe it must be specifically LA because I know there's an awful lot of talk about him not being able to play in in a Lakers or Clippers series, but I never heard them actually anything even mentioned about Warriors. Maybe it was just a lot, a lot of talk because uh, the Lakers are the favourites, obviously, to come out of West. Um, but regardless, um, unless them mandates are dropped, Kyrie Irving won't be playing for the Brooklyn Nets this season, which is a huge question mark. Um, personally, I still believe it doesn't really hurt their chances that much between the talent of James Harden and Kevin Durant and how deep that roster goes, I I think it barely hurts them. I know you can argue that like they're losing an all-star slash all-NBA caliber player. How doesn't it hurt them? But I just think the way like James Harden can naturally play point guard without having to, let's say, adjust to Kyrie Irving, which you did see in the limited amount of games that all three did play last year. They still have enough nice players there. And actually... I'm saying about um, James Harden playing the, the one naturally, but you actually don't know whether Steve Nash would prefer to put Patty Mills in there and let James Harden run the two like he did in Houston. Um, of course, you have players like Joe Harris, Kevin Durant. Um, getting like Kevin Durant's going to be in MVP conversations this year. Why wouldn't he be? You're going to have um, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, Nick Claxton. 
like there's even questions like I, I don't even know what I'd what my preferred starting five would be for the Nets because they just do have an abundance of talent there and I suppose it really all just does come up to matchups um at the end of the day they really can adjust for for everything for every situation um obviously Nick Claxton is a great roller a great on ball and off ball defender if you want to go five out you can put LaMarcus Aldridge in there Blake Griffin at the four uh KD at the three and that's actually not even including if you throw Joe Harris in there with obviously that's still including Batty Mills and James in the backcourt um there's just so much you can do with that. So you're gonna have if Kyrie Irving's not in the team, that's gonna be more minutes going to Cam Thomas. So I mean, they just they just have so much talent there. I don't think it impacts them at all. But I know that they will be looking to start the season on a high, and they'll be definitely looking to get one back up on the Bucks, who is going to come into this on cloud nine. Of course, reign champions. Uh, a bit Giannis, all them players receiving their rings on opening night. They're just going to be, they're going to be buzzed going into this game and I not to say they're gonna take it and destroy it, but they're just gonna do what they do. We know what the Bucks is capable of. Um going back to that run last year and last season, we know that you're gonna have Giannis dominating. And obviously if you see him preseason this year, he he looks he has a natural jumper. Or at least that's what it looked like in preseason. Um there was a lot of talk that, like, even if he's, like, and I, be- I believe so, like, if he even becomes an average, like, league average in three-point efficiency, league average in in the mid-range, pulling up from wherever, he, like, there's no stopping him. Because, like, you've seen the players when he played the Jazz during the week, like, he was able to pull up, he was able to move into players and usually... He'd move in the players and just try to either dominate them or back them down, pass out to the open man. Whereas, like, you're seeing the diversity in what his moves were. I think there was two or three plays where he was able to co- take a dribble into space, came into the chest of Royce O'Neill and dished it out to uh, either Brooke Lopez or Connaughton in the corner. But then he was almost in the exact same situation. And rather than doing that, he kind of hit a little bit of a drop step and, and hit the jumper. But like it looked so smooth. Uh he opened up the game, obviously coming up in transition. Spot up three. Like it's how dominant he is in the half court and how dominant of, a, of an on ball and off ball defender he is. It's wild if he was to have even somewhat of an average jump shot. Like there's there's no stopping him. Um Obviously, you know, Chris Middleton is going to just come off a big high from last season. There's a lot of questions around if he was a playoff player and if he really was that second star to play with Giannis. And, I mean, he proved he did. And I think that's probably that's going to help his impact and his uh, his productivity in the in the, in the regular season this year because, I mean, he doesn't have to answer any questions anymore. He, he knows and everyone else knows what he's capable of. You're going to have another year of Drew Holiday. Um He's just an exceptional defender. Can does exactly what the Bucks need him to do. He's just that third player there. That I suppose a big tree, if you want to call it that. Um, I don't. Not too sure on the health of Dante Divincenzo. Divincenzo, but of course they're gonna have him back. Um, yeah. There's just there's just so much there. Um, I think that'd be a really entertaining game, and obviously. It's only oh, it's open at night, does not you don't take it all too seriously, but it will be really good to see these two two teams face off against each other and open at night. And then the second one is Lakers Warriors. Um Honestly, I, I, I don't know what to expect from this. Um obviously the Warriors still don't have Clay Thompson back, so they're gonna have Steph Curry, um Draymond Green as fit as far as I believe. Is James Wiseman still injured? James Wiseman might actually still be injured now that I think about it. But I mean, like you're gonna you have Jordan Poole. Obviously, uh Jordan Poole looked sensational during the preseason. Um so I think for the most part he'll probably be that secondary star now with with Steph Curry or the second man anyway, second option until Clay Thompson comes back. You're still gonna have Andrew Wiggins there, who of course got vaccinated in the last couple of weeks. You're gonna have the two rookies in Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga. 
uh, coming in. I think the Lakers, there's an awful lot of questions, or at least, no, maybe not an awful lot. I suppose that's probably not very a wide opinion. Um, I have questions about how they're going to work with Russell Westbrook, and it's a very old roster. Um, I think they're the oldest in the league. I have questions about the health of this roster, um, about how the big three are going to defer to each other, uh, especially LeBron and Russell Westbrook. Um, some of the players that are on the roster have had questions in in recent history, like in the last few seasons, on um, kind of what who they are and what they're capable of. Like, I mean. Dwight Howard, of course, won a championship with the Lakers there a couple of years ago, but didn't seem all that great with Philly. Um, Kent Bazemore is I I don't really rate him too much as a player. I don't think he's great. Um, and I mean he's gonna be one of their one of their main options. Um, at the two guard spot, you have Russell Westbrook, who of course he had a great season last year, but I mean. You'd worry about how well he's going to adapt to that role. Kind of being the third man, I suppose, because I'd imagine you'd have a lot of Lakers fans and probably the Lakers team thinking that AD is probably still that second option behind LeBron. Um, Rajon Rondo, well, Rajon Rondo's good. Um, I, I still think he has a lot to offer. Maybe not in the regular season, but he's, he's a proven playoff player at this point. Uh, DeAndre Jordan... Didn't look great for the Nets last year. And again, you'd question about what his impact is here. Uh Malik Monk is a is a great is a great pickup, I think. If uh he gets his touches, I think he'd be quite good. Kendrick Nunn's obviously a good backup point guard then there as well. Uh better shooter than Rajon. Um not as good as a defender, not as good as a playmaker. Um probably actually arguably a better defender actually than Rajon Rondo at this stage in his career. Trevor Rees is obviously out injured now. Taylor and Tucker's out injured now. Wayne Ellington again. A lot. I'd have, I'd have questions about his impact with this team. Carmelo Anthony. Um, as as much as he had some good years at Portland, he's another year older. You'd wonder how he's going to work in that team. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not too convinced on the Lakers' chances this year. Um. That's just me, and I definitely think health is a major question around almost every player on this roster, to be honest. Um, a lot of injury issues and injury question marks above them, like AD. You look at AD, and you could be looking at a four to six week out. Uh, LeBron James, obviously, he is a freak of nature, but he has had them two injuries, especially the one last year where it, it did kind of set him back quite a bit. Um, Russell Westbrook's been seeing a lot more injury uh, injuries and time out in the last few years as well so who knows you don't know like they obviously still are stars to the roster there's a lot of hall of famers in this team but y- yeah we'll see how they get on and i still do think there's gonna be a lot of a lot to see and a lot to evaluate in that game against the warriors but again similar to the books and that it is only the first game it's a long season ahead but it'll be interesting to see these two teams match up and of course it's LeBron versus Steph, so who's not going to be ready to tune into that? Now, for my award predictions for this season. Look, it's <laughs> like it is every year for not just me, but for any pundit, journalist, fan, whatever you may be. These are the early predictions. We don't know how these players are going to come out of the gates. We know what these players are capable of, but I mean, anything can happen. And even a couple of these awards, I don't have definitive winners. I have kind of a few situational winners, uh, depending on a few different things. Um, and again, I'm I'm by no means a basketball expert. I'm not claiming to be these. I suppose just my opinions. Um, and for anyone that's listened to this, like, feel free to reach out. Like, I'd happily have conversations around this. Like, I. I think I preface that at the start of this podcast. I don't know an awful lot of like NBA fans and basketball fans. Uh so I'm have I'll happily have conversations about this. Um 
I could talk for days about this, and I definitely think if somebody like awards and opinions about players are so subjective, and it's, there really is so many arguments for so many different players. Um, so yeah, let me know. Uh, feel free to reach out. So I suppose I'll start off with I don't I don't know. Do you go with the do you go with the big one first, or do you work your way back? Um, I go with the big one first because I suppose I work through all the awards, and I'm going to go through uh quite briefly. My standings. So MVP. I have a dark horse. I have a surefire winner. Or who I think will be a surefire winner. And I have one that's kind of a bit situational. So my dark horse. Is Trey Young. Trey Young. I think has been absolutely remarkable. The last few years. And last year he kind of got a lot of hay. For his style of basketball. And I remember like. He had said before he played against the Brooklyn Nets that Steve Nash is like his oil and he had looked up Steve Nash, Nash and he modeled his game and then gets like 14 or 15 free throws in the in the game and Steve Nash finishes by saying that's not basketball. So, you know, there's been an awful lot of hate and hurt thrown his way. Um, but he, is, he has a high basketball IQ. He can shoot the lights out. He has the worst defensive rating, but I think sometimes his impact is kind of a little bit overlooked. Not saying that he is even an average or one of the best defenders in the league, but his defense, his impact, I suppose, or his presence on defense is sometimes uh, not given enough credit. I think the team, like you look at the Hawks last year, they started off quite um, poorly, I suppose. And once they got Nate McMillan in, they went on a massive run, just didn't even look like kind of new manager's look or just that it, like it wasn't a run. It was, they'd really kind of found the right system to suit them and it worked. Obviously they, they had a lot of great series in that playoff run, um, starting with the Knicks, of course, like Trey Young. He really became the villain and got that kind of moniker of being a villain for that series against New York. Um, obviously you have him beat and then you have them obviously the iconic photos of him being in the crowd and you see him taking a bow and shushing like I mean he really just played up to the crowd in Madison Square Garden and it was he had a remarkable uh, remarkable performance um that entire series you go to the second round you play against Philly and you're like okay like this is about this is gonna be where the Hawks are knocked off and they don't they bring them to seven and they beat them in Philly um and again really big performances from Trey Young. He obviously he's the leader of that team, he's the best player on that team. And it's obviously not just him, but when you're talking as like an MVP candidate, he's a player that's gonna be putting up twenty five and ten any given night. Like he he's a remarkable playmaker. He's a like I said he is a really smart player. He can shoot the lights out. He averaged twenty five and nine well twenty five and a half nine and a half last year. Um, on fairly good, like bad shooting splits, I suppose, if you're talking about it that way. But I mean, as a ball dominant guard who's like I said, shooting the lights out, um, great from the free throw line, really good at getting fouled. Now, that might be affected a little bit this year with the rule change, but I just think he's such a smart, offensive player that he's not going to be bothered. Okay, he might go to the line a few times, uh, less, but. Like it's 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 unfathomable to say that like because of the rule change, players like Trey Young and Luka Doncic and James Harden are going to see a massive deduction in their product in their production. Of course not. These are smart players. They go to the line so much because they're smart and they know how to get there. That this is just another another obstacle to overcome, and I'm sure he will. But I think, considering how well they done last year. Um, under Nate McMillan, and this is obviously going to be, and they had a, a load of injury problems throughout that season. Um, if they, I, I, I don't see any any world where they have as many injuries as they did last year. So if you weigh that up against the fact that this is going to be Nate McMillan's first full season as coach of the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young's going to be taking yet another step up going into his now fourth year the players around him 
are getting better. Like the young players like Kevin Herter and John Collins, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, they're getting better. They have a deep roster. I think if they get home court advantage, if they finish in the top four seed in a pretty stacked Eastern Conference at this stage, I think it'd be crazy not to have him in MVP conversations. And I definitely think he could win it as well. Um, be a good storyline because, like I said, like you have, you're gonna have James Harden and Kevin Durant in conversations there. You're gonna have Giannis in conversations. Uh, you look a little bit down, you might have Joel Embiid. Depending on the Knicks and how well or how much Julius Randle stands out, you have Julius Randle. Uh, players like Jason Tatum and stuff. The further you go down. You look at the West, you have Nikola Jokic, uh, LeBron James, Steph Curry. It's just, there's so many stars, but I just think considering the potential situation they may be in and how well he is a player and how well his team can do this season, I think it'd be crazy not to put Trey Young in that com- in them conversations. And that's why I think he could be a dark horse for MVP. Um, My, I suppose, like, not my obvious pick, but as a player that I think could definitely do it again is Giannis Antetokounmpo. What's what's more to be said about Giannis that hasn't already been said? Like I already said when I was talking about like the opening night, he's such a dominant player on both sides of the ball that you think he can't get better, even though he's been arguably a most improved candidate every single year of his career. He's a two-time MVP, one-time champion, one-time defensive player of the year. Or is it, maybe it's even two time at this stage. I actually I can't quite remember. Um, and like I said, if if he comes out with a, jump, a somewhat competent jump shot, I I personally have the books penciled in here at number one in the East. There's there's definitely a conversation to be had there that Giannis could come out with a third MVP award and really start knocking on the door of the pantheon of goats. To be honest, um, and that's still at such a young age as well. He has so much basketball left ahead of him. Like I said, there's, there's not really much left to be said about Giannis at this point. And now my situational or my my MVP, depending on the circumstance, is James Harden. And I know Kevin Durant is far off like far ahead in odds and favorites for MVP. Uh, at least compared to James Harden but I think not an awful lot of people are giving credit to how good of a player James Harden was in Houston and how well he can adapt like you've seen last year when he played with Kevin Durant like how good of a playmaker he is he didn't have as much of the burden or the pressure that he had in Houston to kind of play hero ball and play a lot of iso ball he's a tremendous playmaker if not I think I personally think top three playmaker in the league um he can easily go and get you double-digit double digit assists any given night, especially playing with the players that he's playing with. Even with sharing the load with Kevin Durant when Kyrie Irving's back, if uh, obviously all the other great players that's in that roster, he can still put up 30 and 10. Like, there's no getting it twisted with James Harden. He could still go out and average 30 and 10. And I think if he was to have better, average, better counting stats than... Kevin Durant, if he used to play more games than Kevin Durant, because obviously, I mean, Kevin Durant has his injury issues or his, his injury history, that I'd imagine there probably will be some games, especially leading up to the playoffs, where there is some load management going on, there is some just making sure that all their players are fit going into the playoffs. I imagine a world of James Harden is playing a lot more games than KD. And, I mean, depending on how high they get in them standings, there's a world where I see James Harden back in MVP conversations where he rightfully is every single year. Um, so I definitely think I'd, I'd have him above players like KD um, this season for MVP. And for me, rightfully so. So moving on to the rookie of the year, I don't have any contention here. I just think it's the one player, and that's Jalen Green. Uh, Jalen Green's going to come into this league a polished and surefire player from from day one i think he's definitely a rookie that could potentially average 20 points in a season i think there's been 
nine rookies, maybe. Actually, it could be a little bit more than that, but I think there's nine rookies that average 20-plus in their rookie season, and I think he could be another on that list. He's he's a bucket-getter. And I think in a team like Houston, where they're starting to rebuild now, um, they obviously have great players like Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood, to name a few. I think he's going to come in... And yeah, I was going to say maybe be the number one guy. Maybe not with Christian Wood still there, but I think he's going to have an awful lot of the ball this season. Um, he can kind of do it all. He can play in the he can play ISO, he can play pick and roll, um, cut to the basket. He, he's a spot-up shooter. He can Like I said, he can do it all. He's a solid defender for Porter's age, um, and I think that will probably translate to the NBA. I... I definitely do think that he kind of has has it all to be rookie of the year this season. And I know I'm saying that like Jalen Suggs, I think could be the best player in this draft class five or 10 years from now. I know that Cade Cunningham is, is going to be a star, but I just think Jalen green just to, just because of his situation. I just think he does it. I think he does it this year. Um, he's even, he's actually even a good playmaker. Um, and I know you're playing at the two, and KPJ is going to have the ball in his hands and stuff, but if there was ever a point where they're going uh, for tall lineups or a point where the ball's in his hands primarily, I definitely think there's a point where like you could be looking at Jalen Green averaging like 20 and 5, 25 and 5 by the season's finish. Um, so I definitely, he's my sure for a rookie of the year. And like I said, that's no disrespect to the other players as well. I just think he's... He's far beyond them at this point and potentially in the next couple of years as well. Defensive player of the year, I again have three. Um it's a toss-up between two, really. Uh I the only reason I have kind of the second player in here is uh just depending. So as far as first one I have is Drew Holiday. I think Drew Holiday could potentially be that first guard since uh was it Michael Jordan or Gary Payton that won a last? Regardless, he I think he's has the potential to be a force guard to win Defensive Player of the Year since the nineties. Um, even in his thirties, I know he's been an exceptional defender his whole career. But the the reason I suppose like the I suppose to jump ahead like Giannis is my second pick here. Um, Giannis is at the point now. He's a two time MVP. He's won it all. He's won his championship. He has nothing left to prove, especially going into this season, coming off the back of a championship. If the jump shot is real, and if the improvements he's made in the offseason is real, and he just purely focuses on the offensive end, like takes a few possessions off here and there, puts a lot more focus in, uh, in the offense... I think you can potentially see a world where Drew Holiday not just picks up more of their defensive responsibility, but also has a lot more defensive spotlight on him when it comes to, let's say, like uh, nationally televised games and stuff like that, uh, guarding the best player on the opposing team and so on. That, again, considering if they're the number one team in the East with one of the best defences that they've obviously had for the last couple of years anyways, I think there's a world where Drew Holiday wins Defensive Player of the Year. And again, I still think because I know narrative does matter in this league, it would be a good narrative to say that at 31 or 32 years old, he's the first guard to win Defensive Player of the Year since the 90s, Gary Payton, Michael Jordan. Like, joins a very exclusive list there. Um, so I, I, I definitely do think it could be Drew. Obviously, I have Giannis there because we know how much of a defensive prowess Giannis is. Um it's a no-brainer, obviously. He's going to be the first, first team all-defense, regardless of whether he's in conversations for uh, Defensive Player of the Year or not. So that's why I have them two players there. I think it really depends on what Giannis's primary focus is this season. If he does take a massive leap up in like um, trying more jump shots, kind of having the ball in his hands and the offense a lot more, uh, a lot more, let's say, going through him. Yeah, there could be probably that like opportunity to pass defensive possessions and defensive responsibility over to Drew a little bit more. Um, but obviously we know that he could easily pick up a defensive player of the year award as well. Um, and then just an outside I want to have is Bam, Bam Adebayo. Um, because again, we know how much of a defensive, uh, a defensive animal he's been the last few years. And you've really seen that development 
especially in the last two or three seasons. Last year, you were able to see how, like, that kind of massive leap in how quickly he can switch on to opposing guards and opposing forwards, um, as well as still being obviously having that amazing interior defense to guard like big men like Giannis. Like, we've, I think every time I talk about Bam Adebayo on this podcast, I've talked about like the different games and the different matchups they've had with Giannis. Now, of course, we didn't see that necessarily this year in the playoffs. There's a lot to talk about in that series and in its own self. But I still think Bam Adebayo has that capability of winning the defensive play of the year. And considering how strong of a team the Heat are this season and how solid defensively the whole unit is, it's understandable to say that Bam Adebayo could definitely be a defensive player of the year candidate. Now, for anyone that's listened to any of my podcasts in the past, you can hear the dog in the background. I do apologize, but there's literally no stopping him. He just barks at anything. So my apologies if that is very annoying because trust me, it is on me too. Um, so yeah, moving on. Um, most improved player. I have who my favorite is for this, and but the thing is, it is actually situational because uh, it depends on how quickly this player comes back from injury, and that is Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz is one of my favorite players in this league. And this is still an unbiased opinion, by the way. Um, I think Markel has... I still think the sky is the limit for him. I definitely do think he has star potential in this league. And he has so much more left to offer. It's unfor- He's had an unfortunate series of events in this league so far. But I do think he's after finding a great situation in Orlando. And I think with the different changes that happened in Orlando. With obviously Jamal Mosley coming in. Uh, John Hammond after crafting a very good core of players there um some good veterans obviously in terence ross and robin lopez and stuff but obviously that young core is just so there's so much to be excited about there that i think depending on how quickly markel fultz can come back from injury and if he gets games under his belt and stuff i think he's 100 percent head and shoulders above the next most improved candidate because i think in that team He's the best guard. He's the has the best handles of any guard in that in that team, and I, he's obviously going to have the ball in his hands most of the time. He'll be the primary distributor, primary ball handler, and so on. Um, there's so many different scorers in that team. Whether you're talking about Jalen Suggs, Mo Bamba, when he's obviously in the offensive uh, development of Wendell Carter Jr. the last couple of years, and especially seeing the versatile, the versa, versatility in preseason, that the assist numbers are going to take a massive spike. I, I'd easily see Markel averaging seven, seven and eight assists, um, depending on how, how he's back and depending on the lineups that Jamal puts out. Um, but then also, if you look at like his offensive impact, he's obviously he was a scorer in college he's actually one of the best scorers in ncaa history um as a freshman um obviously his jump shot has a lot of questions and now he hasn't proved that again since he's gone to orlando and although he did have a very short season last year i think it was only six games in total there's enough to go on and enough upside and development there to safely say that if markel fult comes back within a, a a newish like a more recent time frame um i think he's most improved 100 but in the situation that he doesn't and i don't think this needs any explanation i think kevin porter jr takes on that award um he's gonna have a massive uh massive rise in production his assist numbers obviously gonna be the primary ball handler there and uh, for the most part other than Jalen green He's going to be dishing out assists. We know that he can shoot. We know he can attack the rim. Obviously, a six for five, six for six guard. It's no more left to say about Kevin Porter Jr. If it's not Fultz and if Fultz isn't back in time, it's Kevin Porter Jr. Um, there's so much left, so much more to offer, so much upside. And I think he's going to have a big season with the Houston Rockets this year. Uh, six man of the year. I'm going Derek Rose, and this is another one where I kind of have no contest. Obviously, there's a lot of good six men in the league, uh, especially when you look at rosters and especially when you look at some of the contenders. 
Um, there's some big players coming off benches. But I think because of how the New York Knicks have reformulated this season and picking up Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, uh, they'll be obviously looking for a big developmental, a big developmental leap from uh, Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, Derrick Rose obviously going to see a lot of the time on the bench, but I think he's going to be the main, the like the main uh, leader of that second unit. So I think you're going to see a big, probably 28 to 32 minutes a game for Derrick Rose off the bench. And if he's if he's leading, commanding that second unit, that's going to be an awful lot of uh, touches, an awful lot of opportunities for D Rose, and it'd be kind of really that kind of signifier in the adjustment and the change in his career. Um, obviously, we've seen when he was in Detroit that he was a good leader for Killian Hayes for the for the little while that he was there, and I actually think he had a a conversation with the Pistons front office about. Oh, the Pistons front office and the coaching staff about primarily playing off the bench so that Killian Hayes could get an opportunity. Of course, Hayes got injured, Rose got traded. But we know that he values being a leader and being a role model for them younger guards. So the fact that he's going to be off the bench, leading that unit, being a good mentor off the, off the court, not that that comes into consideration for this award. I think D-Rose is sixth man of the year this year. Uh, Providing that injuries don't um, don't hurt that at all. Now that's the player awards. Just I suppose to finish up, uh, coach of the year, I have Eric Spolstra. I suppose to give it like a little bit of an insight into my standings prediction. I have the Miami Heat as the second seat in the East. I think they have such a great core there. Um, they've made some really big improvements in the offseason, obviously bringing in Kyle Lowry. They picked up Victor Oladipo last season, um, but he could, should be getting back to full fitness. They picked up PJ Tucker. They still have players like Bam and Jimmy and Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. So I definitely do think that with them tools there and obviously with so, how such a smart coach Eric Spolster is, if he can get a second seed finish above teams like the Nets and the Hawks and the 76ers, obviously they're going to have a lot of, an awful lot of big games to get there. I think Eric Spolstra is coach of the season. Um, last one is executive of the year, and this might be a little bit of a homer, uh, considering that I keep a, a keen eye on uh, the Orlando Magic, but I have John Hammond. Um, who's the GM of the Orlando Magic as executive of the year. I think with the changes that they've made this year and bringing in Jamal Mo- getting rid of Steve Clifford and bringing in Jamal Mosley, who's going to be a great rookie coach this season. Um, dra- the drafting of, obviously, uh, Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner. I'd probably see this season players like Gary Harris and Terrence Ross being moved um, for younger pieces or different draft picks. Um, yeah, like there's... I think he's after building a really nice core there. I think the changes that he's made both in on the sideline and on the court is after making a massive improvement to what the, the direction in the future is for their island the magic. So I really do think that John Hammond would be a deserving winner of executive of the year if this year works out the way it should. Which isn't like a a playoff spot or playing spot. It's more just like seeing the year on year development of some of them players seeing. Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner really play well. Seeing Jamal Mosley make the right changes on the court and stuff. So, John Hammond might be a bit of a homer, but yeah, executive of the year uh, for me. Now, this is, I suppose I could, I could do this in a separate episode, but I suppose I'd like to give a little bit of a conversation to who I think the teams are. I think I might even just go who I like talk about the home court advantage teams here even as well as with maybe like a list through the rest of them um in the east i have the bucks the heat the nets and the hawks as my top four seeds and actually to be honest with you now that i've actually even listed them out that's i've talked about all these teams <laughs> i've talked about the bucks obviously in mvp and defensive player of the year i've talked about the heat with yeah bam and eric bolstra yeah but then for the others, I have like the, I have I have the 76ers in the fifth, Knicks in the sixth, Bulls and Celtics finishing out the 
official playoff spots, but then I have the Hornets and the Pacers uh, closing out ninth and tenth for the play-in spots. Uh, obviously, Pacers v Bulls, Celtics v Hornets. Um, yeah, I think like the Pacers, I still think have good have a good quality team, and obviously with Rick Carlisle, there's significant improvements there. But other than the Hornets, who I do have above them at this point, I don't see the Pacers being better than any of the other teams. I think the Hornets do have a good side there with James Borrego and obviously a, a nice young core there uh, that's going to improve year on year. That's the only reason I have them above the Pacers. But I think compared to the Celtics, the Bulls, and Knicks, 76ers, the Pacers don't compare. So I do still have them there as the last playing spot. Uh, 76ers, I think, are going to be impacted still an awful lot by the Ben Simmons saga this summer. Um, Joel Embiid is still obviously going to be Joel Embiid and he's going to sit out games. He might suffer some minor injuries here and there. So I do have them outside of the top four seeds, which actually could hurt them come playoff time, considering that they're not a great team on the road. Um, I have the Knicks in the sixth seed. Again, that's no knock on the Knicks. Obviously, they had a great season last year. They have a great team there. I just think that the top four teams that I've picked are just significantly better than the rest of them here. And then I have the Bulls and Celtics closing it out. Obviously, the Bulls going into a second season with Billy Donovan. They have over... Like undergone a lot of changes in the roster. You have the Celtics, who obviously Ime Udoka's after coming in for his first season as coach. They brought in players like Dennis Schroeder, and they've extended Robert Williams, Al Horford's back in the team. So there's an awful lot going on in the East. But I suppose the main takeaway is that the Bucks, the Heat, the Nets, and the Hawks are my top four seeds, and I. I think to a certain extent, I'd see these as locks. In that, in whatever order, yeah, that can change, but I definitely think these are the best four teams and will finish at the top four teams in the East this season. Out West, just briefly to finish this off, I have the Suns, the Nuggets, the Jazz, and the Lakers as uh, my four, my top four teams, home court advantage. Uh, I think the Suns are just going to continue on what they were doing last year, and just have another great season, obviously. And of course, a lot of these is if healthy. I know I talked about like the 76ers and stuff with Joel Embiid being injured and stuff, but like some of them kind of unavoidable. Like you kind of have to put that as a real factor. Um, but providing that the Suns, Nuggets, Jazz and Lakers stay healthy, I'd see them as a top four, the top four seeds. Um, obviously, the Nuggets are going to start the season without uh, Jamal Murray. But they do have good players there. Um, and I've made good additions uh, you're going to see Michael Porter Jr. Take a, make a massive leap this season um, then you have the Jazz again the Jazz are a regular season team there's nothing really much more to say there they've made some nice additions to their team as well obviously Eric Pascal being another option off the bench I think then when you look down like you have the Lakers um, who have obviously already talked about they have question marks over them I think at best they're like top two seed in the west at worst I'd say like they're, they're still going to be they're going to be a playoff team they're not going to be a regular season team um so I, I have my fourth but I could I could easily see that lower as well then just kind of capping that out then I have the Warriors who again who I talked about but that kind of is dependent on how how much Clay Thompson is like Clay Thompson when he comes back from injury. I um, have the Blazers, Clippers, Mavs, Grizzlies, and T Wolves. Obviously, Blazers added Larry Nance this year. Uh, you have new coach and Chauncey Billups. You have the Clippers who are going to be missing Kawhi for a significant amount of time. You have the Mavs who. They have Luca and, a, and a, they have some good players there. I just don't really see them any higher than where they are. And then the Grizzlies and the T Wolves. Timberwolves closing that out. I think uh, D'Angelo Russell could stay healthy this year. And the Edwards going to take another leap. Carl Anthony Towns, I think, is going to have a very big year. Grizzlies, they're just improving year on year, aren't they? Like, uh, John Moran's going, in, going into a third year. Jaron Jackson, um, if he can stay healthy again, it's just a, a magnificent player. Um, I think what hurts them now is losing Jonas Valanciunas. But I think they could still do okay. But yeah, obviously you have a lot of the teams that close that out, like the Rockets and and stuff like that. But 
for I, I think that's pretty much a lock for who your top 10 teams are in the West. Again, order could change from, I'd say, from four downwards. But I think it's some combination of the teams I've already mentioned. And with that, finishes out this first episode. Um, look, it's it's been great to be back. Um, this is, at the moment, it's ten past seven in the evening as I finish this up, and it's been a long day of uh, going back and forth on these on these podcasts. And but it feels good to be back recording. Um, speaking quietly now as the baby is asleep in the house. Um, but yeah. It's great. It's great to be back. And I hope anyone who's listening enjoyed this. I hope they're looking forward to more like I am. If you're not subscribed or following wherever you listen to this podcast, be sure to uh, stay in the loop for more episodes. Um, Be sure to follow me on Twitter, Carl the Club. Um, K for both. Yeah, other than that, I hope you've enjoyed it. And... Enjoy opening night tomorrow. I'll see you on Thursday.